0: what's
1: going on badger nation and welcome to the ppc den podcast your place for all things Amazon advertising-related. And I'm very excited for this episode um, because I am no stranger to uh, making the audience eat their vegetables and not just have dessert. Uh, Because I think this episode is gonna be one of those episodes where we are gonna be talking to Christian Rivera, uh, the e-commerce accountant. And we're gonna be talking about some end-of-year tax planning things that are really important for e-commerce entrepreneurs. Uh, And I should warn everybody, Christian and I are both from the uh, New York City area, so we talk pretty fast. So if you're listening to podcasts in 2X, uh, it'd probably be too fast. So what's up, Christian?
2: Hey, thanks for having me, a fan of your your show here. And yeah, Northeast New York City, best city in the world. I miss it every day.
1: I know, you know what? A lot of people are moving to Austin and I always like to zig when people are zagging. I'm thinking about moving back to New York City.
2: Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm in Southern Florida now in Boca, and uh, rent prices and property values are like this on a steep <laughs> incline. And I looked back in New York at you know like what a condo would cost, or yeah. and, uh, and and things are very cheap up there to rent, buy, etc. So I'm I'm the same way. It's uh, interesting times. It, it, so, it sure
1: is, and uh, I'm really excited about what we're going to do together because, you know, the whole concept of accounting tax planning for e-commerce entrepreneurs is like really, really important. And I know that in my own journey, like getting more comfortable with the numbers behind business and understanding where those pieces of the business are and like getting good people to work with in those areas of the business, I feel like marked... A noticeable change in my entrepreneurship journey uh, once I felt like I under understood all of those components a lot better Um, so I know that we have people that listen to the show from all walks of their entrepreneur career um, so I feel like this is hopefully going to nudge everyone to take accounting and taxes a little bit more seriously and hopefully if they already do hopefully they learn a few things here Um, so just to give a quick background on you you know your linkedin uh cv is pretty impressive you've done everything from have been a c a cfo to a professional tax planner and then you went off and started your own company the e-commerce accountant uh, how has that been going
2: yeah it's been really great um you know after i graduated college i worked for ernst and young for six and a half years which is um, a global accounting firm work with some of the biggest companies in the world doing taxes tax compliance tax planning etc so i'm very much a tax guy um, I left Ernst and Young seeking a more entrepreneurial um opportunity. So I joined up um an e-commerce SaaS platform. Um, and it was a it's a fulfillment platform. And that was really great. You know, I was on the leadership team, got shares in the company. And uh through that journey, um, I identified kind of a gap in the marketplace, and that was uh, a lot of accountants don't understand e commerce businesses um mm-hmm. and it's uh it's a pain point for a lot of online sellers and uh we decided to um you know we decided to dive into that and and yeah. see you know look through the opportunity and it's been great so I've been doing it now for uh about three years
1: awesome so let's jump in into sort of making this very topical so we're recording this on November sixteenth 2021. And we were talking about topics to go back and forth on. And this one, it just seems so poignant. End of year tax planning, mistakes, things that a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs get wrong. Uh, So let's peel back some layers here. Um, So what's really great, let's picture this, right? So we're here at the end of 2021. Imagine somebody not like send you an email, like January, 2022, <laughs> like, what are those things that you're like, I wish we talked in November to like get you situated. Like, what is the big deal that like, why should we be thinking about what we should, what should we be thinking about right now?
2: Yeah. So um, one of the, w- we get a lot of traffic during tax season and it makes sense. You know, everyone, it's common, it's common knowledge now that your tax return is due April 15th. Mm-hmm. So you get people coming in February, March, April saying, Hey, I need to do my 2021 taxes. Oh, by the way, save me money in taxes. Yeah. And the thing is tax planning happens in the year that you're operating. So if you want a tax plan for 2021, you need to, Tax plan in 2021, right? So, super, super important to make sure that you get the timing right because once the period closes, you still can do some things to drive your tax bill down. But um, the best opportunities are the ones that you plan in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's super important. Timing is very important.
1: Yeah. So, let's talk about some of those things. Um, you know, what are some of those things that people should be doing? Now, what are some of the conversations or the activities that people should be having?
2: Absolutely. So, uh, I always say there's two great tax planning strategies that are low hanging fruit. One of them is very uncommon that people hear is good, thorough bookkeeping. Um, and as silly as that sounds, um, as I mentioned before, a lot of accountants get that wrong. So, if you're if you're if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your profits, you don't know where you stand. How am I supposed to tell you what your tax liability is? You know, your income taxes are based on your net income. It's based on your profits, right? So the starting point for getting a good tax number is your profits. So in order to tax plan, you need to know your starting point. Um, But once we get beyond that, and we'll we'll jump into the weeds where accountants get things wrong on on that front, but structuring your business as a more tax friendly entity um, could be a really great opportunity. So one of the, mo- the more common tax planning strategies that we implement are S-corporations. We take people's existing LLCs, and legally, you'll always own an LLC, and you do a specialized tax election with the IRS. So the IRS views your LLC as an S-corp or a C-corp or some, some type of corporation that has a, uh, a friendlier way um, to be taxed, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to being a self-employed um, entrepreneur.
1: Uh, I'm curious. Uh, what do you feel like is the percentage of e-commerce entrepreneurs that come to you with their books that have perfect books? Like it's been really meticulously managed over the last year. What what percentage would you say have really good books?
2: Okay, so it depends. If they did it themselves, it is like as close to zero as possible. Uh-oh. I've had one client in my in my you know lifetime doing e-commerce accounting that came in like, wow, this is actually very thorough, accurate, et cetera. <laughs> um, and even when other bookkeepers or even accounting firms do it, we notice a lot of similar issues. And it's really centered around two things. And I always give out the secret sauce because I want everyone to thrive, through, do well, et cetera. Uh, It's revenue recognition and it's accounting for inventory. Mm -hmm. So revenue recognition, you know, as an Amazon seller or someone who has experience with Amazon, you know that when you get deposits into your bank account, those aren't gross revenues, right? So a lot of accountants, bookkeepers, CPA firms will take your deposits from Amazon and consider that revenues. But that's really a number that's bundled up with refunds and chargebacks and, you know, the processing fees, et cetera, right? So that is one troubled area that a lot of people don't understand. So revenue recognition, extremely important. The other side to it is inventory accounting. And this is another thing, you know, when you're thinking about urine tax planning, that's a very important concept to understand is inventory is not tax deductible. As silly as that sounds, people like don't understand that concept at first because it's money going out the door. So you think I should get a tax benefit for that. But the IRS is very, very strict in saying that your inventory is not tax deductible until you sell it. Um, and the reasoning is pretty simple. Um, if you have a $100,000 in profits at the end of the year, you know, if you were to hypothetically buy $100,000 of inventory, you know, if it was a deduction, your profits would be zero, you pay no taxes, right? So the IRS got smart to that and basically you know, the approach is you can be a cash basis taxpayer, but when it comes to accounting for inventory, it has to be on an accrual basis, which means it's not deductible till you actually sell it. So if you think about it, it could create some really ugly tax situations where if on the last day of the year, you buy $100,000 of inventory and you don't sell it, well, guess what? When you do your tax return and calculate what you owe, that's $100,000 of cash that went out the door that you don't get tax benefit
1: for. Right. So having conversations with a tax planner seems really important like, to, to mitigate some of those situations that you mentioned. And what about people, because we have a pretty international audience out there. You know, I know that you mentioned S-Corps, obviously, but what about for people living abroad? Uh, in fact, you know, basically non-Americans.
2: Yeah. So it's a very, very complicated answer. So I'm going to simplify it as much as possible. If you're American in most places, an escort makes sense. Basically, it makes sense everywhere except for New York City, Tennessee, and there's like one or two other states that Mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't make sense, right? Most places, escort makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you are a non-American, meaning you live overseas and you're not a citizen, right? It becomes a bit more complicated. Uh, so what happens usually when people come in through our funnel is they say, hey, I'm based in Germany. I have a US LLC. I'm making all kinds of money online. I'm terrified that the IRS is going to kick down my door and you know, like it, it collect. So basically, there's two different ways to look at it. If you have an LLC ordinarily... It's a pass-through entity, which means it's technically not taxable in the U.S. And instead, it's taxable in your home country, as long as it's not what's called effectively connected income. Now, effectively connected income is a very, very complex thing to understand. So effectively connected income, the way we view it is if you're in the business of drop shipping, which is uncommon with Amazon sellers... Uh, well, I should say uncommon with more successful Amazon sellers, generally speaking, what I see, because uh, there are Amazon drop shippers, then we would not consider that effectively connected income because effectively connected income means you are, uh, it includes the sale of inventory. If you're dropshipping, we do not view that as the sale of inventory. However, if you are doing Amazon FBA or you have inventory basically sitting in the US at a warehouse, 3PL company, FBA, you name it, we consider that effectively connected income. So with foreign entrepreneurs, there is high risk that the IRS does view your income in the U.S. as taxable. So it's important to understand that you have some risk. So ordinarily what we recommend that if you have effectively connected income, you consider keeping your LLC and doing a specialized tax election to treat it as a C corporation. What that does is that forces U.S. taxable income, right, to be taxed in the U.S. at a fixed 21% tax rate, right? Which ordinarily, especially if you're located in Europe, is a lower tax rate than you'll experience over there anyway. Um, now, it does get technical and complicated when you have to get money out of the business. Um, definitely need to consult with a professional on that front, but... Um, that's generally what we recommend to foreign entrepreneurs um, if you have inventory sitting in the US. And the reasoning is simple. You know, even if you were to take the position that you don't have effectively connected income, you're gonna leave the LLC and not pay taxes in the US, you have the risk that the IRS will audit you and you do have exposure because you have inventory in the US. So the IRS can um seize your property if things get out of hand enough and, and they can't contact you. So It's definitely something you want to consider from a risk standpoint that um, you make sure you're compliant to the extent Mm -hmm. that you need to be.
1: So just to recap that, uh, I know that you mentioned like an ideal structure for a U.S.-based company on Amazon is going to be an S-corp. And the ideal structure for a non-U.S. Amazon entrepreneur was what again?
2: It's an LLC. Ordinarily, these sellers have an LLC in the US because I think it's required by Amazon mm-hmm. anyway that you need a US LLC. Um, with a US bank account, et cetera, it's usually what, what I see. Um, so my recommendation is you take that LLC and there's a specialized tax election. Just like you do a specialized tax election to te- treat your LLC as an S-corp, it's a very similar election to take that LLC and treat it as a C-corp. So essentially what I'm saying is if you're American-based, either you're a U.S. citizen or you live here, you're eligible for an S-Corp and that's the better route for you, nine times out of ten, right? Mm -hmm. If you are not a U.S. citizen and you are not living here, then um, the better opportunity would likely be an LLC taxed as a C-Corporation.
1: Cool. So... In terms of like summing up what activities to be doing here, it like you know, November, December to be prepared for filing taxes next year, Uh, maintaining immaculate books, like I know that you mentioned. Um, In terms of pure activities, like active things, because I have to imagine. Uh, people may already have their corporate structure in place, or maybe they're not going to be changing it this year. Uh, maybe they're thinking about maybe changing it for next year. Am I understanding that properly? So I guess the question is, like, are there any other activities to ensure that people do? Is it really just picking up the phone and having a conversation with their tax planner and saying, hey, I'm an e-commerce entrepreneur? So so what are the things that people should be doing uh, in addition to making sure their bookkeeping's in order?
2: Yeah. So the the important thing to understand with the tax elections, let's talk about yeah. S corp, C corp, right? That's a very common tax planning strategy and it can be retroactively applied okay. as long as you do it in that same year. So essentially it's, you know, as you mentioned, it's November 16th. Let's say I have that conversation with, with my tax professional, you know, they can retroactively apply the tax mm. treatment to the beginning of this year. So my recommendation is, Before the end of the year, you do three things, basically. First thing is immaculate books and records. Make sure your revenue recognition is good. Make sure your inventory accounting is good. The rest is, for the most part, easy. uh, It's fairly simple, bookkeeping. The second thing is make sure you monitor your inventory levels. You know, keep a pulse on, you know, you don't want to run out of inventory, but also you don't want to overextend yourself in a year, you know, because you you're over purchasing and you're, you know you're taking the hit on taxes because again inventory is not tax deductible until it's actually sold. So that's number two. And then the third thing is ask your tax professional about an S election or C election and see what they say. Because like I said, you know those things can be retroactively applied. And it's actually quite simple. you know, legally speaking, you will always own an LLC. If I own Chris Rivera LLC, I legally always have Chris Rivera LLC. What we're talking about is a tax election with the IRS. It's a literally a piece of paper that you print out, sign, send it into the IRS and say, Hey, I want to be treated as an S corporation, even though legally I own an LLC. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend before the end of the year, you also consider that. Um, and it's, and you know, your tax professional might say the timing is not ideal. Usually it's because. Um, your earnings aren't high enough because the situation is when you structure your business as an S corp or a C corp, um, things definitely get more complex from a compliance standpoint. But if you're, you know, earning substantial amounts of income, it there's absolutely an ROI. Mm-hmm. And just so there's some sort of benchmark, there is no exact figure, but internally, what our firm says is that. If you were in a year that you're doing over $50,000 in total profits, that's generally when it makes sense to set up an S-corp. And then if you're overseas doing the C-corp thing, that's $100,000 in annual profits. So that's a good threshold to kind of gut check whether or not it's the right time, but definitely every situation is different. And I do highly recommend that you uh, consult with a
0: professional.
1: Awesome. And to close us out, uh, I'd love me, you know, Make sure the books are correct and our tax elections are correct. Let's go into maybe a more intermediate or advanced tax planning strategy for end of year to close us out. Uh, do you have any yeah. recommendations for th- things that people should be thinking about that are maybe on the more intermediate or advanced spectrum?
2: Yeah. So uh, you're interesting, your timing is very interesting because we actually just, developed uh, a a new strategy for some of our sellers uh, because basically where this came from was a lot of our sellers say, I want to invest in real estate. you know I hear there's tax benefits to investing in real estate. And the issue we're running into is it's two separate businesses. How can we marry that up somehow? So um, what we came up with is, and this may not work for all sellers, it mainly works for people that are doing US fulfillment. Right? You have a branded product, you're doing U.S. fulfillment, et cetera. Right? So you have your e-commerce LLC. Right? And at the same time, if you were interested in investing in real estate and I fully endorse real estate because I think, you know, economically there's great value to it. You know, I think property values appreciate always. Right? And, you know, the market goes up and down, but long-term it kind of goes up in the up direction. You know, but from a tax standpoint, it's a brilliant um, uh, way to generate income. It's a very tax-friendly way to generate income. So uh, we started setting up structures where two LLCs basically both owned by an entrepreneur. One LLC is in in the business of doing e-commerce. Same business that you have, nothing changes. Second business entity is in the business of doing... uh, warehousing inventory, mm. right? So you have two separate businesses. One is in the business of selling products online. The other business is in the business of, um, you know, fulfilling orders, warehousing inventory, etc. Now, what that does is it dilutes your e-commerce income, right? Essentially, um, it turns your e-commerce business into a dropshipping business and it brings your profits down, right? And it shifts some of the income over to your uh, real estate business, which basically is taxed in a much, much, much more tax-friendly way. So, you know, this is definitely something for higher earners. You know, we've rolled it out mainly for clients that are doing about a million dollars or more per month in sales, mainly because it becomes complex to structure something like this, but. Um, definitely something to graduate into as you're continuing to grow and, and you get to that level, you know, you should be seeking out opportunities that are more strategic um, and, and tax friendly. So that's something cool hopefully we can leave you with.
1: That's awesome. Uh, well, Christian, you've given us a lot to think about uh, in terms of getting ready for the end of the year. Uh, really do appreciate that, that advanced tactic because that was really interesting. I'm sure we can have hours just on that topic. But uh, I'll leave it at that. In terms of where people can find you, what is the, what's your favorite way that people can get in touch with you if they have follow-up questions?
2: Yeah. So we've got a, uh, great social media presence. So you can reach out to us on Instagram at ecom accountants, uh, plural, uh, my personal account is the ecom accountant. Everyone like, uh, reaches out to me there for some reason, but we have both. Uh, and you can visit our website at the So Um, either way
1: works. Awesome. There you have it. Have a good one. And I'll see you next week here in the PPC Den Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.